Hey everyone, this is Greg Shoes for ReadyForTheDraft.com, and this is the Ready for the Draft podcast, episode 27, the second of the Rapid Fire podcast, trying to bring a podcast to you every other day leading up to the NFL draft, which is set to begin April 25th in Nashville, Tennessee. Last episode, we talked about the quarterbacks. This episode, we'll be taking a look at the running back position. But Before we jump into things, I wanted to talk briefly about my mock draft and really the last one that I'm going to be putting together before the draft actually kicks off in less than two weeks. Last year, my initial pod, uh, I'm sorry, my initial mock draft that I put together in January, had I stuck with that, I would have had nine selections correct which would have ranked you know, among the top mock drafts uh, out there. So really what I wanted to do, taking a look at my mock draft, I wanted to get back to some of my initial thoughts. You know, I think you can overthink things a little bit. Uh, sometimes you fall, um, fall for some of the uh, smoke screens that are, that are going on out there, trying to overthink um, what a team is doing in free agency. So when you're really trying to analyze and predict where where players are going to go, what's going to happen in the draft, you know you kind of have to take a step back and really kind of go with your gut. Um, so we're going to talk about my uh, my final mock draft in the last podcast prior to uh, the NFL draft, but I wanted to just briefly talk about my top ten. Obviously, you know the top four for me haven't changed. Arizona Cardinals taking Kyler Murray number one overall. Number two uh, would be Nick Bosa going to the 49ers. The Jets, look, a lot of people have him taking Josh Allen. But for me, the Jets, if you want, take the best player available, and that's Quinn and Williams. Pair him up with Leonard Williams, and you, you've got a force there on the interior of the line. Leonard Williams moving back uh, inside on a, in a 4-3, no longer playing out of position as a five technique. And then the Raiders, they need to address the pass rush. Forget the talk about the quarterbacks. They're going to take Josh Allen there, number four overall. Uh, And then number five, I had Ed Oliver penciled in here at one point. But the more I sat there and thought thought about it, I really broke things down and and looked at at, uh, where everything was. I I think the Bucs were going linebacker heavy in free agency. You know, they re-signed Kevin Minter. They went out and, and got Shaquille Barrett on the outside um, and they also brought in Dale Buchanan, who's the safety linebacker hybrid. But what really makes sense at the end of the day is to bring in Devin White. You get that guy on the interior uh, of, of the linebacking core. And I think when they have an odd man front in, in Todd Bulls' defense, you can have White and Levante David there on the inside. On the outside, you've got JPP, you've got Noah Spence, and you've got Shaquille Barrett. You know, I think that really has a nice, um, you know, really upgraded, you know, in terms of the the personnel. When you're switching from a four three to a three four, you got to really you know figure out what personnel is going to work best. And then when Todd uh, Todd Bowles decides he's going to throw in an even man front, JPP moves to defensive end, and Levante David moves to weak side, and you've got Devin White playing playing the mic. Ed Oliver, where is he going to go when, if, if they decide that they're going to go ahead and run an even man set? You've got Gerald McCoy playing the, the five technique. I'm sorry, the, the three technique. And you've got the nose, um, Vita Vea playing the nose. So where would Ed Oliver go? 
he's not going to play play a D end. So I had to think about things a little bit more. That's really where I had Devin White going from day one. So I had to kind of reassess things, and that's where I have Devin White penciled in now is with uh, Tampa Bay. Number six, Giants got to get their quarterback at some point. I've got them taking Dwayne Haskins there. Number seven, uh, I had Jawan Taylor penciled in here, overthought things a little bit, looked at TJ Hawkinson uh, for a minute. But if you bring in Jawan Taylor, um, you know, then that's going to bolster the running game for Leonard Fournette. And, and thinking about things, you know, from a Tom Coughlin perspective, um, you know, he's going to want to run the football and also protect Nick Foles up front. Cam Robinson coming back from injury at the left side. You bring in Jawan Taylor, makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, really uh, a, a punishing. Um, bookend tackles in the run game. Detroit, nothing's changed there. Still have Montez Sweat. Uh, The Bills, Jonah Williams. Yes, Ed Oliver is going to be there to potentially take the place of of Kyle Williams, um, who's retired. But I think Jonah Williams coming in, he can play guard, he can play tackle. To me, uh, you know, especially with Brian Dable now there in in Buffalo, um, I, I think this makes a ton of sense. And then the Denver Broncos sitting there at number 10, I think John Elway has to get the quarterback position right. He's got jo- uh, Joe Flacco in there, so he doesn't have to rush a-, a young quarterback in. I think that's the mistake that's happened in-, in prior years. So you've got Drew Locke sitting there. You can draft Drew Locke. You've been there in Missouri, um, you know, in Columbia, watching him play in November. You've watched this kid play at the Senior Bowl and, and at the Combine. You- you've brought him in for individual workouts. Um, you know, I, I think this is John Elway's guy and, uh, you know, he can play behind Joe Flacco and then ultimately take over the reins, um, you know, in, in a couple of years makes the most sense to me. And I think for, for John Elway, he has to, he has to get it right, frankly, at this point. So that's my top 10. Uh, we're going to look at my top 10, a little bit more detail or really the full first round, uh, in the last podcast leading up to the draft. Back to the running backs. So we're going to talk about the running back position first off, you know, really the history of the of the running back position in the draft since 2014. Um, so you look at it and, and, you know, last year's draft was the first time that less than 22 running backs were taken. There were 21 running backs taken a season ago. Um, but in, in 2014, 2015, you saw 22 backs in each of those years, 2016, 23. And then in 2017, we had a, a, an explosion of running backs with 30 of them taken. Um, you know, and what's crazy with, with that number is, you know, most of those were day three picks. Because you really only had uh, eight guys go off the board there in in the in the first three rounds. So if we take a look and we kind of break down things, looking at the running back position, trying to forecast what we're dealing with here in uh, in 2019. In 2014, we did not have a first round running back. Uh, you know that was kind of that that trend that we were seeing a lot of uh, a lot of drafts where there wasn't a running back taken in round one. Bishop Sankey was ultimately the number one running back taken in round number two. Same draft, uh, you know Jeremy Hill, uh, Carlos Hyde, all taken in round number two. Uh, Charles Sims, Trey Mason, Terrence West, Jarek McKinnon, Dre Archer. Those were the only other running backs taken in the first two days of the draft. What's crazy is, is the third pick of the fourth round was Devontae Freeman, you know, number 103 overall. We know what's happened there with the Falcons. And then, oh yeah, the Patriots, James White, 
number 130, uh, also in the fourth round. Um, so kind of the moral of the story that you're already going to be hearing is, is you can wait until day three and, and, and lock up a, a pretty decent back. But as you start hearing some of these names that are coming off the board in the first three rounds, um, you know, it really makes you think you know, maybe there is something to getting a, a running back here, um, you know, at some point um, on the first two days. So 2015, this is when we started seeing uh, first-round running backs, Todd Gurley, Melvin Gordon going in the first round. Then you had DJ Yeldon, uh, Amir Abdullah going in round number two. Uh, this was a big year for, for third-round running backs. Tevin Coleman, Duke Johnson, David Johnson um, you know, were, were taken there in, in round number three. Um, you know, round four, you had you know, Buck Allen, Mike Davis, and then uh, in round number five, you had Jay Ajayi. So after the first three rounds, it really, you know, the, the production at that running back position, position really kind of tapered off. Uh, in 2016, you just had the one first round pick, and that was Ezekiel Elliott going number four overall to the Cowboys. Derrick Henry, the lone uh, second round pick. After that, there was Kenyon Drake, CJ Procise. Uh, fourth round, Kenneth Dixon, Devontae Booker, good uh, you know, guys to have as a uh, change of pace backs, adding some depth there to the running back position. And what was really interesting is round five, you actually had some really good uh, backs. Uh, Jordan Howard, you know, a thousand yard back there for the Bears, and then Wendell Smallwood. Um, you know, obviously Howard moving on to, to Philly where Wendell Smallwood is, but Smallwood was able to make an impact there in that running back by committee um, for, for Philadelphia. Now, 2017, as I said, a huge year for the running back. You know, we saw the, the, the boom, um, if you will, especially in the, the last four rounds of the draft. But uh, round number one. Leonard Fournette, Christian McCaffrey. You know, there was some talk that Dalvin Cook could be a first-round pick, but I think you know, part, part, partially due to that injury, he falls to day two. You had Dalvin Cook, Joe Mixon going off the board in the second round. And then check this out for third-round backs. Alvin Kamara, Kareem Hunt, Deontay Foreman, and James Conner. Three out of those four guys, I mean, we, we saw what they've done, you know, how their, their careers really exploded. Obviously, Kareem Hunt, um, you know, with the unfortunate off-field incident, um, hoping to resurrect his career in Cleveland after the eight-game suspension. But James Conner has proven to be a workhorse for, for the Steelers. Alvin Kamara, now the top dog in, in New Orleans. Uh, fourth round, couple of, of good change of pace guys, uh, and Tariq Cohen, uh, Marlon Mack, and then Elijah McGuire, uh, taking in the sixth round, a guy who, you know, can be effective in the, in the passing game. You know, and there are a couple of guys in this year's draft who could fit that mold for sure. Um, you know, as are a couple of guys, you know, we talked about Tariq Cohen and, and Marlon Mack, guys who could come off the board at the beginning of day three, um, who could end up may, you know, being difference makers and making an impact. Now, 2018, we had three first-round running backs. Saquon Barkley was the no-brainer, going number two overall to the Giants. Uh, Seattle kind of thinking, you know, outside the box a, a little bit. They kind of marched to their own their own drummer uh, a bit up there in the Pacific Northwest, taking Rashad Penny and then Sony Michelle, who's proven 
to be a, a workhorse there for, for New England when he needs to be. Uh, four second-round running backs. Uh, Nick Chubb obviously has proven to be the guy there in Cleveland. Uh, Ronald Jones so far struggling in Tampa. Carry uh, on Johnson, I thought, you know, showed some flashes there in Detroit. And then Darius Geis, you know, the jury's still out, obviously, after the knee injury. We'll see, you know, how well he can bounce back. Round number three, there was Royce Freeman. He had uh, some success there in Denver, although Philip Lindsay, the uh, the undrafted free agent out of Colorado, he was really the guy that stole the show there in Denver. Fourth round, some other guys who who really have, have made an impact. Naeem Hines, excellent pass catcher out of the backfield for, for Andrew Luck. Ito Smith did a great job filling in when, when Devontae Freeman went down to injury. Kalen Balaj, a guy who I think can still uh, do a little bit in, in the passing game there for the Dolphins. Uh, fifth round, Jordan Wilkins. You know, he played well for, for the Colts in stretches. And then a seventh round pick, Justin Jackson. Every once in a while, you're going to hit on, on a late round pick. And I thought Justin Jackson um, filling in well when, when Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler um, you know, went down to injury. Uh, Justin Jackson stepped in and, and ran the ball pretty well for the Chargers. So when you take a look at, at, at the running back position, we can expect that we'll see at least 20 backs taken You know, at some point. Um, but when you look at at the drafts, um, you know you had eight taken on the first two days in, in 2014 without one going in the first. Um, you had, uh, let's see, eight in 2015. You look at 2016 and you're looking at only four. And uh, in 2017, you know we, we rebound and we get back to that same number of eight. and then 2018, um, look at that, another eight. So pretty consistent in terms of what happens in the first two days of the draft. The big question mark right now is whether or not we have a first round running back in this draft. Number one running back is, is Josh Jacobs, you know, out of, out of Alabama. I think he's probably the most complete back of the, the running backs here in this draft. And, and, and look, you know, Josh Jacobs, not a whole lot of, of uh, wear on those legs. You know, I, I think that's one of the things that you can definitely say about him is that uh, he's shared the backfield with uh, Damian Harris and uh, you know, just 251 total carries, uh, 120 of those uh, as, came as a junior. Um, you know, 48 receptions out of the backfield, so I think he shows some pretty good hands as well. Um, you know, he's, he's someone, I, I think that the prototypical combination of size, vision, lateral quickness uh, allows him to be explosive between the tackles. You know, I think he's very patient. Uh, Jacobs, you know, does a good job allowing his blocks to to set up when, as he's pressing the line of scrimmage. Definitely trusts his eyes. You know, he quickly sees those cutback lanes, puts his foot in the ground and gets north and south. He's not going to mess around, um, you know, dancing a little bit. He's going to put that foot in the ground and you see this, this 45 degree ankle angle with his ankle flexion um, on his cuts really allows him to, um, you know, plant and, and get up the field, makes it difficult for defenders to square him up as he's making those cuts. Um, tremendous burst to the hole, um, runs with a low pad level. Um, I think he does a good job keeping his um, keeping his balance, running through contact as well. Um, I think he has enough of a of another gear, um, but you know he does have four six speed, um, so that makes him you know questionable in terms of being a home run hit you know um, 
you know, can he outrun defenses? Um, you know, he doesn't look all that sudden, but you know, when you're 5'10, 220 pounds, um, you know, he, he's you know, a lot more elusive in the open field than I think people give him credit for. Um, so I, I think, again, what takes his game to the next level is his ability to catch the ball out of the backfield. Very productive in the, in the passing game. Um, you know, the 48 receptions in his three seasons for the Tide. You know, he really did a good job running routes, tracked the ball well in the air, really soft hands. Um, I had jo- uh, Josh Jacobs penciled in as a first-round pick to the Raiders, but it's one of those things to where, you know, I I just, I I don't know. I I don't know that he's going to end up being a first round pick. You watch him run and, you know, he he screams first round, first round ability. I just don't know that there's a a need for a running back in round number one, a, a big enough need. You know, I'm looking at the Raiders as probably the closest thing to taking a, a running back in round number one. And the Raiders picked up Isaiah Crowell, um, the team with uh, with Jalen Richard and, and DeAndre Washington. I think that tempers that just a little bit. I think really the value in this draft is going to be in rounds two and three anyway, uh, and four for that matter. Um, so I, I really don't think um, at the end of the day, you know, especially if there's a tight end sitting on the board um, at, at number 27, I, I think Oakland's going to pass on, on taking a running back. A lot of people thought that the Eagles would be going after a running back, and then they traded for uh, for Jordan Howard. Um, so I, I think you'll see Josh Jacobs slip just a little bit. I think he'll slip to the second round, um, but I don't think there's really a knock on him. I just I, I look at the, the running back position, and there isn't a surefire guy. When you sit there and you talk about First round running backs. Let's go back um, just a second here and look at the guys that I just mentioned, right? The running backs that I mentioned uh, were Todd Gurley, Melvin Gordon, Ezekiel Elliott, Leonard Fournette, Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, Rashad Penny, Sony Michelle. What did they all have in common? The production. You know, incredible production, you know, guys that were getting it done for, for the universities. Um, you know, they weren't sharing backfields. Um, you know, although Sonny Michelle was with Nick Chubb, but at the same time he was ultra productive. And it's one of those things I look at, 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 at Josh Jacobs and, you know, no season with, with more than, than, uh, 650 yards rushing. You know, he did have 11 touchdowns in 2018, but again, just 640 yards on the ground, another 247 and three touchdowns as a receiver. But I, I think that's one of the things, one of the arguments that you can make in favor of him falling to the to the second day. My number two running back, one of my favorite guys to watch, and that's David Montgomery out of Iowa State. 5'10", 222 pounds. Uh, back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons, including uh, over 1,200 yards a season ago, uh, 13 touchdowns, excellent hands out of the backfield, 71 receptions for 582 yards in, in his three seasons with the Cyclones. Um, you know, here's here's the thing with with David Montgomery. He, he's not a guy who's going to be a uh, a burner. Ran a 4.6340 at the combine. He's more, I would say he's quicker than fast more than anything else. His game, I think, translates to the next level because of his vision, his lateral agility, and his contact balance. The vision, he sees the cutback lanes as he presses the line of scrimmage, and just when the defense thinks that they've got him bottled up, 
He's going to see that opening on the backside, put his foot in the ground, and get there. He's going to run to daylight. You know, Also shows those quick feet that allows him to shake defenders in the open field and makes these lateral cuts to avoid defenders. I think that's one of the things that you know they're so sudden and they take place in such a short area that he can make multiple defenders miss on one play. He'll be cutting back to the left, back to the right, and then back to the left again. And sometimes he'll make two lateral cuts to the left and just leave guys in the dust. It, it's a lot of fun to watch. Very quick feet. And then when it comes to breaking tackles, there's nobody better in college football. You know, I talked about this in, in one of my other podcasts. Um, according to Pro Football Focus, Montgomery finished with the 2017 season with 104 broken tackles. And, and you know, I broke it down. You know, Dalvin Cook had 89 in 2016. Fournette uh, with, with 84 in 2015. Kareem Hunt, 84 in 2016. So the balance, just absorbing contact, keeps those leg, legs churning, and always seems to fall forward. He's one of those guys that just continues to wear defenses down. You look at him and it's you know you, you just you don't think that he's making much of an impact, but as that game goes along, he just continues to wear teams down. Again, excellent hands out of the backfield. I think if there's any drawback with David Montgomery that's going to limit some of his effectiveness out of the gate, it's going to be his pass protection. I think he's a little um, inconsistent there, but I think he's going to be a, a second round pick. And I think whoever ends up getting him is going to be pleasantly surprised. I think he's a guy who uh, can absolutely make an impact at the next level. Number three on my list, um, you know, I kind of shuffle my running backs around. So if you've been to the website lately, readyforthedraft.com, um, you know, you, you'll see that uh, it doesn't match what I have here. Um, I'm going to get that updated here shortly. But my number three running back, Daryl Henderson out of Memphis. 5'8", 208 pounds, the junior, uh, back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons for the Tigers, um, but just absolutely exploded in 2018. Number 10 in the Heisman voting after uh, 1,909 yards on the ground uh, and 22 touchdowns. Now, it wasn't, you know, you look at the 8.9 yards per carry, you know, definitely eye-popping, but he did that in 2017 as well. And so, you know, he, he wound up with 84 more carries and still sat there with an 8.9 yard per carry average. You know, I think that's something that definitely speaks to the explosiveness there uh, out of, of uh, Daryl Henderson. And then 63 receptions, uh, 758 yards and eight touchdowns in the passing game. So, you know, a, a threat there as well. At the combine, ran a 4-4-9-40. Um, so in terms of the explosiveness, you were expecting to see some of that. And uh, he did run the, the sub 4-5-40. Um, now, what I'll say with, with Daryl Henderson is, is all you have to do is just give him a crease. Just give him a crease and he's gone. You know, the, the quick acceleration, the burst, um, you know, he's able to get skinny through holes. I think that's one of the things that's really impressive about a guy um, you know, that, that, that is so explosive is, you know, he just he gets skinny through that hole makes a quick lateral cut to avoid the defender in the hole and then gets to the second level. Um, you know, he runs out of tackles, so he's got a really strong lower body. Um, and, you know, one of the things that I thought was so impressive, you know, whether it was in the Wildcat, um, you know, he, he would take the ball and run off tackle and very patient, allowing his blockers to um, to make those blocks and then once he put that foot in the ground, he's getting north and south. 
You didn't see a ton of dancing. And that's one of the things that I really appreciated about, about some of these backs, you know, and what I'm looking for. I want to see a decisive running back. Put the foot in the ground, get north and south. You know, nobody's ever going to score a touchdown by going side to side. They're ultimately going to score the touchdown going north and south. And the quicker that you can get there, you know, especially if you can you can uh, run with the speed that that Henderson has, then uh, you know, you're going to see that. You know the splash plays. You know seven plays of of fifty plus yards uh, in 2017. Um, you know the, the the lateral cuts that you see, ju- the jump cuts in the backfield to avoid defenders, um, breaking tackles at the second level. You know, this is a guy who, you know, I'm throwing a lot of different things out all at once with this guy, but that's that's just what I what I look at when I'm watching him is there's a lot of things that come to mind. And for me, I, I look at Daryl Henderson. I think he's gonna be a third round pick. I, I don't see him coming coming off the board in round number two. You know, he is only five eight. Um he shared the backfield with Patrick Taylor and Tony Pollard at Memphis, uh, the spread offense, Mike Norvell running it to perfection there um, in the the American Conference. Um, I just, I I don't know if he's going to be a guy that can be uh, the bell cow, can be the guy that's going to be an an every down back. I think he'll be more of a change of pace guy. But look, Tevin Coleman was another guy I kept talking about. All he needs is a crease. Just give him a crease and he's gone. And uh, you see what Tevin Coleman was able to do in the passing game as well. I think Daryl Henderson be able to provide a similar impact. Um, you know, Tevin Coleman was a little bit bigger than than Daryl Henderson, but I think both guys can make that same type of impact. Number four on my list is Miles Sanders out of Penn State. 5'11", 211 pounds. The junior you know, sat behind Saquon Barkley, bided his time before finally you know, exploding onto the scene in, in the Big Ten this year as a junior. Um, had just 56 carries in his first two seasons, then wound up with 224, uh, 1,274 yards. That's a 5.8 yard per carry, nine touchdowns. Also uh, caught the ball well, 24 receptions. Now, look, one of the easier movers in this draft, you know, I, I think you saw so explosive, so fluid with his movements, you know, effortless with his cuts, uh, the cutback ability. Um, someone who I thought saw the field very well, uh, quick to get to the next level, runs with a low pad level. Here's the thing. you I don't care how fast you are, you know, and he did run a 4.49.40, you know, 36-inch uh, vertical leap, so you know he's explosive, 20 reps at the bench press, um, so you know he's he's got some strength to him as well, but if you can't hold on to the football, and I think I believe he had 11 fumbles in his career, including I, I want to say there were six last season. Um, of those 11, I think seven of them were uh, were lost fumbles. When you get to the next level, if you can't hold on to the football, you know I, I don't care how good you are, you're not going to see the field, and that's really the big issue that I have for Miles Sanders. A lot of people talking about him being their R, you know, their RB one. You know, that's my number one running back, and I, I think what's dropped him for me is just the fact that I I think he's got to shore up that that ball security, and if he's not able to do that, he's going to get run off the field, and and that's really the the big concern that I have for Miles Sanders at this point. Um, you know, if he can get that under control, I think, um, you know, he's in much better shape, but you know, it's one of those things. Once you start having those, those issues with fumbling the football, um, it starts creeping into your head. You start thinking about it a lot more 
And uh, so that's going to be, um, you know, I, I think the biggest concern and the biggest thing that he's going to be fighting right now. So moving on from Miles Sanders, Travion Williams out of Texas A&M, the 5'8", 206-pound junior uh, for the Aggies. This is a guy who, one of my favorites, I think he and Daryl Henderson are two of my favorites. Um, You know, ran a 4'5", 140 at the Combine. Um, You know, not as explosive, I would say, as as Daryl Henderson, but, you know, another guy, you know, you'll hear a lot of the talk about uh, vision and, uh, you know, contact balance. And, you know, I think that's really important when you're talking about a guy who, you know, can you see the, see the, the cutback lanes? Can you put your foot in the hole or foot, foot in the ground and get to that hole? And then secondarily, if you've got, if you're someone who is, is continuing to get hit and you're continuing to bounce off tackles, you're absorbing that contact, you're running through contact. And, and ultimately what ends up happening is the, the, the defense, they're going to expect that this guy is going to go down. Um, you know, you're going to see a lot of, of guys that are, are taking poor angles or going to be, um, you know, it's something that it's going to wear defenses down. And I think for him, he runs with such a low pad level that, uh, you know, I, I think Travion is someone that is is ascending. A lot of people weren't talking about him. I don't know why. Um, you know, just that, that quick acceleration too. You know, after he bounces off of a tackler, uh, he's able to quickly accelerate and get back down the field. Very patient, waiting for his blockers. I thought he and, and Eric McCoy worked so well together because Eric McCoy would get out and pull and be his lead blocker so patient to allow him to kick a guy out and then he can just take off up the sideline. Um, you know, I, I think the vision that, you know, does very well there, um, really runs well off of his blocks. Um, you know, very athletic, uh, look, you know, at, at the end of the day with it, you know, 2018, um, 1,760 yards on the ground, 18 touchdowns, 27 receptions, uh, you know, 66 receptions in his career. So you know that the guy can catch the football out of the backfield. But, you know, the production, 1,760 yards, and he was the guy that nobody was talking about. Everybody was talking about Josh Jacobs. Everyone's talking about Devin Singletary and his production or – you know, obviously, you know, Daryl Henderson blew up as well. Uh, Damian Harris, all these other running backs. And I'm looking at Travion Williams and I'm saying, why is nobody talking about this guy? Why is nobody talking about Travion? And I, I think people are going to start, you know, taking notice, especially, you know, as they continue to watch the film. I think for me, he was a guy that I really, really fell in love with, you know, in terms of, you know, his play. And, you know, he's someone that I think just continues to work and continues to get better. Um, you know, he he waited for his, his final year there at Texas A&M um, to have his his best year. And I'm looking to see if I can pull up Travion's. My internet is crashing on me, so that is not going to help me out here. But, you know... I, I, I was one who continued to ask, what is going on? Why why is nobody talking about Travion Williams? Um, you know, and, and the Aggies, was it because of 
uh, was it because it was the Aggies? Because you know there wasn't a whole lot going on there. You know, but you look at it, and you know he finished finished the year strong. Um, you know, against Auburn, Mississippi, UAB, LSU, and NC State. You know, rushed for over um, over a hundred yards in each of those games. Um, you know, against NC State in the bowl game, 19 carries, 236 yards. That's a 12.4 yard per carry average, three touchdowns. Um, you know, the Clemson, Clemson kind of held him in check. So did Alabama. Um, but a lot of that could also be attributed to just being overmatched up front. Um, but you look at it, you know, and only other game where he struggled was, was Mississippi State obviously going against uh, Jeffrey Simmons and, and Montez Sweat and, and, you know, up front, and then Jonathan Abram in the secondary on the back end. But, you know, 240 yards against Northwestern State, 128 yards against ULM. Arkansas, you know, 152 yards. Kentucky, 138 yards. Uh, you know, so you watch, you know, you see this, you know, three games over, um, 200 yards, two games with a 10 plus yard per carry average. Um, he's a guy to me that needs and deserves to be talked about a little bit more than he has been. Um, so I'll get off my soapbox now, the Travion Williams train, but you know, he's someone that I think can, can definitely translate to the next level. Is he going to be a guy who's going to be an every down back? You know, we'll see. I think it's still, still too early to say, uh, obviously, but um, you know, someone who I think can be explosive at the next level. Now, number six on the list is Devin Singletary out of Florida Atlantic, 5'7", 203 pounds. The junior, um, you know, really was a workhorse for the Owls. You know, Lane Kiffin, um, you know, really kind of ran this guy into the ground. It seems like, um, you know, 714 carries. You know, he had 301 carries in 2017. Uh, that was a year where he had 1918 yards on the ground. 32 touchdowns. This guy's a touchdown maker. 66 in his career, including 22 last season. And when you looked at last season, yes, he had 40 less carries, ran the ball, uh, you know, 1,348 yards, but he was a full yard per carry average, you know, below his his normal average, um, you know, which was you know, right around six and a half uh, in his first two seasons with the Owls. Um, you know, 51 receptions, only had six a season ago. Um, so you saw a marked decrease in the amount of, of passes that he received. Uh, 26 as a freshman, 19 uh, in 2017 to just six uh, in 2018. But you know, the, I think the concern that you have to have when you're looking at Devin Singletary is you know all that wear on, on those legs. You know, 765 total plays from scrimmage. Uh, 4,684 4, yards, 67 touchdowns. You know, there, there's no doubt that this guy, you know, he's he is another guy who's quicker than fast. So if you tuned in, watched the combine, ran a 4.6640, um, you know, at 5.7 and 203 pounds, you know, you kind of worry about looking at that number, but you can't really look at the number with, with Devin Singletary. He's a guy who's going to make you miss in the open field. He, you know, the lateral quickness, I think he and, and Justice Hill are so... Uh, incredibly quick uh, laterally. Um, you know, I talked about David Montgomery having the quick feet, but these guys with their lateral movement, they're able to make cuts, um, you know, uh, up the field without even losing losing any momentum. Um, and he's um, another guy with that ankle flexion, able to put a, put his foot in the ground and 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 cut on a dime and uh, just really uh, make you miss in the open field. You know. Conference USA MVP, 
Um, nickname is Motor, by the way. So when you look at at, at him, you know that, that makes a whole lot of sense. Um, you know, now for a guy who's five seven and two hundred three pounds, he sounds like he's pretty solidly built. Um, but he goes around way too easily on contact between the tackles. I thought. Um, you know, I think that's probably the biggest thing. Um, but I, I talked about the the lateral cuts. You know, he can get over two gaps in a hurry and then get up the field. So if you're a linebacker who's trying to scrape over the top, you better get over there knowing that uh, Singletary with those lat- that lateral quickness, he's going to beat you to that hole. So you better you know be be anticipating those some of those runs. Um, you know that that wiggle, the burst. Um, you know I think that's something that really stands out. You know more than anything else when you're watching Devin Singletary play. Um, you know, I've got him coming off the board in round number three. Some people have him coming off in, in the second. You know, again, he's somebody in just three, three seasons. You know, I just worry about the amount of work that he's already put in. I mean, Lane Kiffin, man, you know, in, uh, in 2017, 320, uh, plays from scrimmage, you know, that was a, a lot of work. Um, so, and then it just continued to go from there, you know, 267 in, in 2018. Um, so, you know, I, again, I, you know, third round I think is probably the the right value there for Devin Singletary. Uh, so if you're scoring at home, I've gotten to number six and uh, number eight on my list. I also have coming off the board in the in the first three rounds. So that would put us at seven. So you know, we're we're pretty close in terms of uh, that that magic number of eight in the in the first two days. Um, there's a possibility that this guy, Justice Hill out of Oklahoma State, he's my number seven running back, 5'10, 198 pounds. The junior, you know, was on it well on his way to uh three straight thousand yard seasons. What you know, only played in 10 games, didn't play in the bowl game. Um, what was really weird, he's he was sharing time with Chuba Hubbard. And you know, either Chuba Hubbard is the real deal or something was going on, whether Hill wasn't 100%, something happened there. You know, I, I'm really not sure what, you know, what was going on, but, you know, you look at him as a sophomore. Justice Hill, um, you know, 1,467 yards, you know, that's 5.5 yards per carry, 15 touchdowns, 31 receptions, uh, and, and another score. Um, you know, maybe it was just the fact that he was, you know, 299 yards from, from scrimmage and, and 1,657 total yards. Uh, maybe Mike Gundy looked at that and said, we need to kind of dial things back from Justice Hill. But, you know, the, the explosiveness, you know, I thought that that was lacking at times in Oklahoma State's running game. And, uh, you know, Justice Hill, another guy who, from a lateral quickness standpoint, puts his foot in the ground. You know, he'll set guys up three, four, five yards in advance, put that foot in the ground, and, you know, you watch the tape, the lateral quickness is absolutely there. Um, you know, and then after that, once he gets outside, uh, the quick acceleration to get to the second level, um, you know, I think he, he keeps his legs churning. He's only he's 5'10 and only 198 pounds, so he's a little light, but he runs really hard on every single play. Um, you know, and I think that's one of the things that uh, I appreciate about Justice Hill's uh, about his game. Ran a 4440, so he was the fastest guy among uh, the running backs at the combine. 40 inch vertical leap. And also, you know, put up 225, 21 times in the bench press. Uh, so I, I think that's one of the things that kind of stands out to me a little bit. I thought he was, you know, a little bit stronger um, than, you know, I, I would have expected out of, out of his, uh, a guy his size. Um, when we look at, at the guys at the combine, he was the only guy 
to put up 225 at least 20 times who was under 200 pounds. So I think that just kind of speaks to uh, you know the the type of athlete that Justice Hill is. Um, so I, I think when I look at that, I look at Justice Hill, um, third, fourth round range probably makes sense. I think he'll probably end up being a fourth round pick, um, yeah, but we'll see. Um, my number eight running back is, is Damian Harris out of Alabama. And I said that I think he'll probably end up coming off the board either second or third round, to be perfectly honest with you. A lot of people love his game. Uh, 5'10", 216 pounds, just 477 total carries in his four years at Alabama. Uh, you know, shared the backfield with with a number of running backs. Josh Jacobs, the most recent, you know, Bo Scarborough before that. Back-to-back 1,000 yards in, in 2016 and 2017. Um, you know, and 52 total receptions, you know, back, uh, you know, 22, uh, passes, uh, hauled in in, in 2018. That's the most that he's had in his career. Um, you know, four, five, seven, forty. I thought he ran a little bit faster than I was expecting. Um, you know, a 37 inch vertical leap showed a little bit more explosiveness. He's somebody that I talked about, um, earlier in the year as, as kind of a, you know, just a guy, you know, a jag. I had written that down a couple of times when I watched him, but then I think the more I watched him play, um, you know, the burst that you would see up the middle, um, the vision that he ran with decent feet, you know, I think he is more of an inside runner than, than Josh Jacobs doesn't have as much of the wiggle in the open field, but a guy who just always seemed to hit the hole, you know, the, the right hole at the right time and continue to, to work getting downhill has really good leg drive. Um, again, catches the ball well out of the backfield. You know, when he gets off tackle, the shoulders are square to the line of scrimmage. And then that burst to fall, you know, burst down, downhill, he's going to run some people over. Uh, I think he's very patient, you know, uh, follows his blockers well, and, uh, you know, I, I'm just not as high on, on Damian Harris as some other people. And that's okay. You know, I think that's okay. I mean, at, at the end of the day with it, I think he'll probably be a second or third round pick. But uh, I like some of these other guys translating to the next level because I think they can do a little bit more than, than Damian Harris. I've seen a lot of guys that do what Damian Harris does. And when I'm looking for a skill set, I'm looking for somebody who, you know, has a, a unique skill set or someone that can really make a, uh, make a difference. Um, you know, some of those other guys that I've mentioned, you know, with some of that lateral quickness, some of the guys out of the backfield and, and the hands, um, you know, he's, he's more of that power runner. I think that kind of limits, um, you know, his value when we're talking about the draft and, and, and draft day, but you know, we'll see, we'll see what happens. Number nine on my list is, is Ryquel Armstead out of Temple. Now, Ryquel Armstead was a guy I've, I've been watching, um, you know, he's, he's a senior, one of the few seniors in, uh, in this draft class. Um, you know, if I were to sit here and count up the number of seniors at, at the combine, let's see, there were a total of 28 running backs and there were only 11 seniors that were invited. Uh, 10, if you don't include the fullback, Alec Ingold, um, you know, and I think divine Zigbo was probably the the biggest snub, uh, the running back out of, out of Nebraska who could end up being a, a sixth, maybe seventh round pick. I think Bruce Anderson at North Dakota state, another guy who can catch the ball out of the backfield. I think he's probably going to be a late round pick as well. Um, those were the snubs. They were also seniors obviously. And, and, uh, you know, so many juniors, but, Ryquel Armstead is a guy who I think has just continued to develop and continued to get better and better. Um, you know, you look at 
at at his 5.2 yards per carry this past season. Finally hit the thousand yard mark um, in just 10 games. By the way, you know he struggled with some injuries. Um, you know that that yard per carry average was even higher than the 5.2. Um, you know 13 touchdowns on the year. Um, you know, I think he's really peaking at the right time. And then you look at the, the you know, the, the combine, you know, ran a 4-4-5. I, I wasn't expecting that. I, I did expect, you know, him to put up, you know, 22 reps at, at 225 in the bench press um, because I thought that he was very powerful between the tackles. Um, you know, I, I thought he, sh- he showed a pretty good burst. I just wasn't expecting him to have the, the type of long speed that he showed at the combine. Um, I, I think he's somebody who's just continuing to get better. 5'11", 220 pounds. Um, you know, that's pretty moving for a guy, you know, at, at 220 pounds. So, um, you know, especially, you know, when we look at last year uh, at the combine, just to take that as, as an example here, um, there were only two running backs that ran faster than Raquel Armstead, and that's Naeem Hines and Saquon Barkley. Now, Naeem Hines is only 5'8", 198 pounds. Saquon Barkley, 6'2", 231 pounds. So I think he's in pretty good company. Um, you know, and really when you look at, at last year's draft, just to kind of get, you know, have go on a tangent here for just a second, but, uh, you know, with Hines and Barkley going uh, sub 4-4-5, then you've got, uh, you know, Kalen Bellage, Rashad Penny, and, and Darius Geis all going sub 4-5, Nick Chubb going 4-5-2. Those are a lot of names that, that you heard called in the first first couple of rounds. Obviously, Bellage and, and Hines were, were taken in the fifth round, but you know, that speed speaks to something. You know, you look at Sony Michelle, he ran a 4-5-4, still taken in the first round. So when we're talking about the speed, that's not necessarily an impact. Even Ronald Jones, second round pick, ran a 4-6-5-40 at the combine. Um, but, you know, he did struggle to get things going. So I think teams take notice of that. I think you kind of have to. Um, you know, when a guy runs that slow and then you look at him out there on the field and, you know, he's just not able to put up the production that you were expecting. But Raquel Armstead, I thought he definitely helped himself. Ascending prospect in my book. Dexter Williams out of Notre Dame. So you look at, at him over the course of his, his career there at Notre Dame, played in just, uh, let's see, you know, six games as a freshman, 11 as a sophomore, and then nine as a, as a junior. Um, never got more than 39 carries in any given season. Um, but I'll tell you what, you know, he was suspended for the first four games. You know, so there are there is that red flag. But when he came back, you know, 158 carries, 995 yards on the ground, 6.3 yard per carry, and then average, and then uh, 12 touchdowns. You know, 16 receptions out of the backfield as well, uh, caught a touchdown pass. But you know, when he came back, that really changed uh, Notre Dame and their offense. You know, Ian Book at quarterback, obviously that was that was that helped them as well. But really, I think the difference maker was Dexter Williams. The explosiveness with which he ran, he ran with some power between the tackles, uh, able to bounce it outside, and really showed some home run hitting ability. Um, you know, ran a four five seven forty at the combine, thirty six inch vertical leap, so um, has some explosiveness to him. Um, not a guy who's necessarily going to run away from you, um, but a, a guy with that you know again that burst to hit the hole and then that quick acceleration and. Uh, he changed that offense, changed the, the Irish offense quite a bit once he was able to to hit the field. But again, you know, where is he going to fall talent-wise? He could be a second to third round pick. 
but with the off-field issues that you're going to have to look into, um, you know, he could end up falling to to day three and be a fourth or fifth round pick and uh, be a guy that teams could pick up. Maybe he ends up turning into the next Marlon Mack, um, you know, a guy who was pr- productive there at uh, uh, South Florida. So transitioning just a little bit from my top 10 uh, to some guys that uh, battled injuries and, uh, you know, the injury red flag, but guys to really take notice of. By, uh, Bryce Love, 5'9", 200 pounds. Um, everybody knows the story in 2017, the Heisman runner-up after you know, 263 carries, over 2,100 yards on the ground, 19 touchdowns, 8.1 yards per carry. Just so explosive. I mean, all the the, the runs of, of 50 and 60-plus yards, um, you know, was just phenomenal. Um, you know, what he was able to do on, on the ground, you know, in fact, you know, I think I have some of the numbers. Let's see. Um, seven straight games of a, of a hundred yards, uh, ran for 263 yards against UCLA, 301 against ASU, three other games with over 10 uh, yards per carry average, five games with multi-rush touchdowns, 11 games with a long of 50 plus yards. Um, not much of a receiver. You know, which was surprising. A guy, you know, with his his type of explosiveness, never really caught the ball very well out of the backfield. Um, you know, until his senior season, um, he caught 20 passes his senior year, which was almost as much as his first three years combined. Uh, now Bryce Love, you know, he battled this ankle injury, this high ankle sprain. You know, in 2017, you know, what was so impressive about the 20 uh, the 2100 yards was the fact that that ankle just always seemed to get reaggravated. And he would have an explosive run. He'd limp off the field, get retaped, and go do it again. And it just over and over and over again. You still saw the explosiveness. You still saw the production. And just so tough. The toughness, I think, is, is what's going to impress teams as much as anything else. Here's the deal. In, in 2018, he only played in 10 games because, again, he was battling another ankle injury and it's one of those things too to where just when you think that he was getting healthy and he was getting back to form someone would tackle him you know chase him down and would end up rolling up that ankle and it's one of those things to where you know once you start getting those high ankle sprains you know it seemed like he was just more and more susceptible to getting it re-aggravated and you know it just kept happening over and over again every time he was being brought down from behind that was what was happening. So that has to be a huge concern. And then um, you know, he ends up tearing his ACL. And uh, so that really affects his draft stock. I think a team may take a, you know, a, um, a flyer on day three. I don't think he's going to end up coming off the board in, in the first two days. And my, my thing is there's a big red flag from, from just an injury standpoint. And, you know, he's got the ACL now to go along with the ankle. When he's healthy, he's one of the most explosive players in this entire draft, let alone at the running back position. I just don't know if he can stay healthy. You know, 5'9", 200 pounds. Um, you know, he, he takes takes a lot of punishment, you know, for, for a little guy. Um, Rodney Anderson out of Oklahoma, 6'2", 224 pounds, the junior Um Man, you want to talk about a guy who just can't catch a break. Um, you know, he, he's someone that I, I feel so bad for because when you, you look at him, um, just all the injuries, just riddled with 
with, with injuries um, throughout his career. Um, you know, it broke his leg in 2015, uh, a broken neck in 2016. Um, you know, the, the durability obviously has to be a, a huge concern. Um, you know, his first year of finally, you know, finally being healthy enough to, to be explosive, um, you know, was in 2017 and, uh, you know, 188 carries over 1100 yards, uh, 6.2 yards per carry and, and 13 touchdowns, uh, you know, another 17 receptions, uh, out of the backfield with a 16 and a half yard per carry or yard per reception average, five touchdowns, um, you know, against K. No, I'm sorry. It was against TCU. 150 yards rushing, 150 yards receiving, and to start out the year when you were watching him play, um, you know, granted it was against um, you know some some lower level teams, but what you saw there with with OU was you know it was against Florida Florida um, Atlantic and UCLA, but you just saw the explosiveness. I mean, OU's offense looked different. With Rodney Anderson, which is scary considering you had Kyler Murray throwing the ball all over the yard and what he did with his legs, and you saw some production out of Trey Sermon and uh, and Kennedy Brooks, but that offense just looked different. Eleven carries, 119 yards, three touchdowns in those two games, 10.8 yard per carry average. But then he tears his ACL again. I mean, it didn't look serious; it really didn't. But he tore his ACL again, and so now you have to wonder: Can this guy stay healthy? You know, in, in three of his four years in Norman, he's out with injury. The one year that he stays healthy, he is so explosive. And then when you saw him coming back healthy at the start of 2018, um, he just looked like a difference maker out there on the field, a man among boys. Um, so his health is going to be huge. I don't know if he gets drafted. You know, if so, if a team's going to take a flyer on him, maybe they will. But, you know, there are some huge durability red flags there. And then Jalen Moore. Um, another guy, you know, out of Appalachian State, 5'10", 212 pounds, um, you know, a guy who's who's battling an injury as well, only played in five games, 400 yards. But prior to that, back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons, including 1,400 in uh, in 2016 as a sophomore. Um, and, and, you know, I, I look at, at Jalen Moore and, you know, 33, let's see, no, 23 receptions, not much of a, of a pass catcher out of the backfield. Um, but I'm uh, looking, trying to see if I can find the latest update here on his, his injury. Because um, I know it was, it was kind of a gruesome injury. Um, you know, a fracture and dislocation of his right ankle. Um, so it was pretty, pretty ugly, but uh, I'm looking to see. Let's see. It looks like, looks like he's he's bounced bounced back, um, and, and that's good. You know the, let's see NFL draft workout. So I'm pulling this up. The Charlotte Observer has some stuff here. You know after the ankle injury, let me see if they'll give me some more details here. Unfortunately, I don't have anything else from them. But uh, you know, one of the things for for him is just continuing to the to to work and continuing to develop. He's a guy who is is very physical between the tackles, excellent burst uh, as well. Um, you know, six point one yards per carry average in his career. Um, someone who I think um, you know uh, again, if if he can show that he's he's one hundred percent healthy, I think he's somebody that 
would ultimately uh, get drafted there on day three. Some other running backs to watch. Uh, Karan Higdon out of Michigan, 5'9", 206 pounds. This guy reminds me a lot of... of uh, of Ryquel Armstead, and I kind of paired the two of them up. You know, another guy, you know, 5.6 uh, yard per carry average, eclipsed a thousand yard mark, would have had it uh, in 2017 had it not been for, you know, he was missing six yards there, um, but, uh, you know, really was the workhorse in, in 2018. Uh, 224 total carries, uh, 1178 yards, 10 touchdowns, a guy who was very physical between the tackles, a guy who showed a pretty good burst. Uh, ran a 4.4940 as well. Um, you know, bench press. You know, uh, 225, 21 times. It's one of those things. I look at Ryquel Armstead and Karan Higdon. They both look like the same player um, in terms of the way that they they run the football. Very physical, uh, surprising burst. Um, I think. You know, they're, they're both, in, in terms of, the, the they're not much of a receiver in the, in the passing game. I think they're decent when it comes to, to pass blocking. Now, pass blocking, you know, I just mentioned Michigan. How about Michigan State's L, uh, L.J. Scott? You know, L.J. Scott's a guy, you know, battled injuries throughout his career, six foot, 227 pounds. Um, but, you know, in terms of, a, you know, if a team's looking for a pass blocker, he's probably the best pla- pass blocker of any of the running backs in this year's draft. Uh, moving along, uh, Mike Weber out of Ohio State, 5'10", five, five, 211 pounds, um, started off, had a tremendous uh, redshirt freshman year there in, in 2016, over 1,000 yards on the ground. Since then, you know, he was okay. Um, you know, ran for 954 yards, sharing the backfield with J.K. Dobbins, um, but, you know, in 54 receptions in the, in the three seasons. But, uh, you know, I wasn't overly impressed with, with Mike Weber. I thought he disappeared at times during games. Um, you know, 5'10", 211 pounds, and, and ran a 4'4", 740 at the combine bench press, you know, 225 pounds, 22 times. Um, so he's a, a tremendous athlete. There's no question about that. But I just thought that he disappeared. Um, you know, a guy who can be as physical and have the burst that he does, um, you know, I, I just, I was left wanting more. And he's somebody, I think, because of his athleticism, could be a fourth round pick, possibly even sneaking to the third round. Um, but I just, you know, I was just expecting a lot more out of him. And I was hoping he'd come back and, uh, you know, probably put together some consistent tape. Um, Elijah Holyfield, there's another guy who I really wish would have come back to Georgia uh, for another season. Yes, he ran for 1,000 yards, um, 6.4 yards per carry, seven seven touchdowns. Not much of a factor at all in the passing game. Neither he nor nor Mike Weber much of a much of a factor in the passing game. Um, you know, but Elijah Holyfield, um, you know, I thought he was really just starting to get his legs. You know, he he played in ten games as a sophomore, just fifty carries, had one hundred fifty nine. He was sharing the backfield with uh, DeAndre Swift, um, and, and very physical between the tackles. I thought he had had a decent burst, um, but man, the long speed just wasn't there. Ran a four seven eight forty at the combine. You know, one of the more physical and stronger running backs. Again, you know, twenty six, um, pa- um, twenty six reps in the bench press. Uh, but when you look at like the vertical leap, you know, he and David Montgomery were, were the were the the lowest there in terms of that vertical leap. Just a twenty nine and a half inch vertical leap. So you question, you know, you look at both of those numbers four seven eight and then the twenty nine and a half inch vertical leap. Start questioning just how explosive he is. And uh, I saw tape of him running the 40 um, on his pro day online, and he just he looks slow. He just looks really slow, and, and I think that's something that has to be of concern. 
I think because he is so physical uh, as a runner and and the production that he had, you know, while sharing the backfield with um, DeAndre Swift, I think you're going to see him drafted, you know, probably early on on day three. But, um, you know, I really wanted to see more out of him. And I think he's another guy that should have come back um, for one more year. You know, Travis Homer's kind of the same the same way. Um, you know, I, I was really, you know, shaking my head, you know, and, and scratching it just a little bit, wondering why Travis Homer was coming out. Now, he filled in admirably for, for Mark Walton in 2017 as a, a, a sophomore, um, 966 yards on the ground, you know, Follow that up with 985 on the ground in, in 2018. Um, you know, I thought he had you know decent vision. Um, you know, some some good explosiveness to the hole. Um, runs with a low pad level. Uh, ran a 4.4840 at the combine. 39 and a half inch vertical leap. But uh, you know, really someone. You know, I don't know if the coaching change there at Miami had anything to do with him leaving. Um, but he was someone for me that when I watched him play, I, I wanted to see him come back for another season. You know, there are a lot of these juniors that I'm looking at saying, you know what, they're probably going to be day three picks. And I would have loved to have seen him come back. Um, you know, and, and he's one of those guys just because, you know, I, I didn't see enough. I didn't see enough consistency, you know, out of him. And, uh, you know, he did have a, you know, six, um, Six yards per carry average, and you know I, I'm, I'm, you know that's nothing to stay uh, to shake a stick at, but uh, again, someone that I was just expecting, you know, wanting to, you know, to see a little bit more out of. Late round gems, potential names, you know, Alexander Madison out of Boise State, 5'11", 221 pounds, another guy who was very physical between the tackles. Um, you know, wasn't always pretty, but just got the job done. You know, next guy in the line of, of Boise State running backs, uh, back-to-back thousand-yard seasons, including uh, fourteen hundred and fifteen yards a season ago. Um, you know, seventeen touchdowns, caught the ball very well. Sixty receptions in his three seasons. Um, I, th- I think the biggest concern right now is is that four, six, seven, forty time. But uh, he did show show off some explosiveness uh, with his his thirty-five inch vertical leap. Um, so. Someone who I think is going to end up being a day three pick, and uh, I I just li- I like his game. I thought that you know from a production standpoint, you know, he's a guy that's continuing to get it done there at Boise. Uh, Five hundred eighty one carries, so it's starting to get a little bit on the high side. Um, but uh, someone who I I think you know from a value standpoint, um, you know late day three will be a nice pick. Miles um, Gaskin out of Washington, five nine, two hundred five pounds. We've we've talked about all, all the the where, and, and I think this is where you know Miles could could have a catch up to him a little bit. Over a thousand total plays from from scrimmage, five uh, five thousand seven hundred eighty eight total yards and sixty two total touchdowns. You know nine hundred forty five of those are on the ground, averaged you know right around let's see right around two hundred twenty two hundred thirty yards or two hundred thirty carries a season. Um, you know, over 1300 yards in his first three seasons fell just, uh, 32 yards shy of, of doing that for a fourth straight season in, in 2018. Um, you know, double digit touchdowns every single season and, and 65 receptions. Um, you know, Gaskin ran a four, five, eight, 40, 
um, you know, which is is solid. He's somebody who I think when you when I think of Miles Gaskin, I think of of just a consistent player, a guy who um, you know you're always going to see you know the the, the same things. So you're going to see the vision. You're going to see a guy who can put the foot foot in the ground and get north and south. Um, not the biggest guy, not the most explosive, not a guy who's going to run away from you. Um, you know, and that four six seven. You know, I I think you know his play speed is faster than. I'm sorry, he ran a four five eight. Um, you know, I, I, again, um, even with that, you know, I I think he played bet played faster than that. Um, I think he's quicker than fast. Um, someone who might be a, a, a day three guy. The teams are going to have to take a look at because he was ultra productive at the next level. Um, and speaking of guys who can catch the ball out of the backfield, I mean, if you're looking for a receiver at running back position uh, in this year's draft, uh, look no further than James Williams out of Washington State. The junior, 5'9", 197 pounds. Sounds like, you know, very comparable measurables to Naeem Hines. Um, you know, only 1,540 yards on the ground, 19 total touchdowns, including 12 in, in 2018. But check this out. As a redshirt freshman, 48 reception, 342 yards. As a, as a sophomore, 71 receptions, 482 yards. And then get this, this past season, 83 receptions for 613 yards. So that's 202 uh, receptions for 1,437 yards. You know, he was less than 100 yards shy from, from being able to hit 1,500, uh, I'm sorry, uh, to have more receiving yards and rushing yards in his career. Um Excellent hands coming out of the backfield. I think that's really the biggest thing that you can say for James James Williams. That and the fact that he runs excellent routes, tracks the ball well in the air. Everything that you want to see out of a receiver in the running back position, James Williams has. You know, not the not the most explosive guy, not a guy who I think you know was was tremendous uh, in, in the running game. But when you're looking for a guy who can can catch the ball out of the backfield, this is the guy. Ran a 701 um, second three cone drill. Um, so, you know, a guy who I think quicker than he is, uh, fast again, um, with that five, four, five, eight, forty. that, you know, was, let's see, it was fourth fastest. So I talked about miles, uh, miles Sanders just pulled this up three cone drills, six, eight, nine, which was fastest among all the running backs there. And then if you look at uh, the short shuttle, uh, he was third on the list, you know, and then I talked about, you know, Dexter Williams, Dexter Williams was, uh, second in the short shuttle at a 416. Hey, look at that. Miles Gaskin sitting there at a 427. Uh, Raquel Armstead, 429. Alexander Madison with a 429. Um, so when you're looking at this, some of these guys, when you're talking about 40 times, that's not going to tell the whole story. It really isn't. Um, you know, if we go back and we look at the uh, last year's draft in comparison, though, and we had. You know, I, I was talking about 427, 429. We had guys. Let's see, we had five guys um, under 4-2. But even when you look at that, uh, Justin Jackson was the only guy that really made an impact. Uh, you know, Chase Edmonds, Royce Freeman, you know, two other guys. But Sony Michelle ran a 421. Saquon Barkley a 424. Nick Chubb. Four two five. So I, I think some of that can be comparable, especially when you're talking about guys who might be a little bit quicker than they are fast. So I, I think that kind of bodes well for James Williams in terms of his projection to the next level. 
know, I, I think he may be a better better pro as a running back. Um, but absolutely, you know, in terms of uh, of a receiver, um, you know, I think Mike Leach really set him up, set him up well uh, for a transition to the next level in the in a pass happy league. Um, wouldn't be surprised if Arizona took a shot at him late in the draft. The workout warrior. How about Alex Barnes out of out of Kansas State? Six foot, two hundred twenty six pounds, ten inch hands. I mean, you know, huge hands for the running back. Ran a four five nine forty. Bench press thirty four uh, two twenty five thirty four times. Thirty eight and a half inch vertical leap. Um, so the workout warrior, absolutely there. All of a sudden, you know, this guy in, in twenty eighteen. Uh, 1,355 yards, uh, 12 touchdowns, you know, was very quiet. That was a quiet 1,300 yards um, there at, at K-State in Bill Snyder's final season. Um, you know, just somebody who just continued to work hard, continued to uh, to be productive for, for the Wildcats. Um, you know, I, he's, he's a big guy. Um, I just don't know. If if he's going to translate to the to the next level, um, someone who's going to I think team teams could take a flyer on him late, and uh, you know he, he's got some of that explosiveness. Um, I I just don't know in terms of you know does he have the 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 vision? Um, is he somebody he he runs a little upright? So is he going to be able to drop that pad level? Is he going to be able to make anybody miss in the open field? Um, Benjamin Snell's another guy. Um, you know where I, I look at the the wear and tear on his legs already. You know seven seven hundred thirty seven carries in, in in three seasons. Um, you know over a thousand yards in each of those seasons, and, and progressively got better. I mean you know a thousand ninety one as a freshman, over thirteen hundred yards as a as a sophomore, and then fourteen hundred forty nine as a junior. Uh, forty eight total touchdowns in his career, five point three yards per carry. Uh, caught the ball a little bit out of the backfield with, with 29 total receptions, uh, but the 4.6640, I think that's something that has to be concerning, along with the 29 and a half inch vertical leap. You know, the testing really is a is a big concern. Um, you know that that those numbers um, definitely concerning. You know, the lack of explosiveness. But look, this was a guy who put Kentucky's offense on his back. You know, and. Really, it was it was him running through SEC defense after SEC defense. So, in terms of of that, if you're looking for a workhorse, a guy who can be a physical back between the tackles, show a little burst here and there. Then Benjamin Snell can be that guy um, late on day three. And you know, I was talking about some juniors that I thought should have come back. Um, Going to finish this off with with Jordan Scarlett out of Florida. 5'11", 208 pounds, ran a 4'47 at the combine. I thought he you know, he did really well, um, you know, for himself with that. Um, although his his three cone drill and short shuttle times 737 and a 463, not very good. Um, then you look at at what he did as a sophomore in 2016, 889 yards on the ground, six touchdowns, and then you know 776 yards. Um, in, in 2018 with five touchdowns, sharing the backfield with Michael P. Ryan. And, you know, I, I, I look at this and I, I don't know if it's just a matter of the fact that, um, you know, P. Ryan was, was getting a lot more of the carries. You saw, you know, um, Kadarius Tony was getting some carries as well. Um, you know, crowded backfield, possibly, you know, Felipe Franks there at quarterback. 
you know, I, I really don't know why he was coming out. He's somebody who could end up getting picked um, late on day three, but you know, I just looked at the production and um, you know, I, I was waiting to you know another guy I was waiting to see a little bit more from. And, uh, you know, I thought that him coming out, he was one of the more disappointing ones because I was hoping he'd come back. You know, you're sharing that backfield, but really wanted to see a little bit more out of him. Um, didn't see as many, you know, um, explosive plays as I'd like to see um, from a running back if I'm going to want to take him in the first two days. Um, so he'll definitely be a day three guy if he gets drafted. Um, otherwise, he might be a priority free agent. So that's kind of a look. At the at the running back position, you know, if we take a look at again last year, um, just to kind of give you an idea, um, you know, the the running backs that I mentioned that were taken in the first three rounds of last year's draft: Barkley, Penny, Michelle, Chubb, Jones, Johnson, and Geis, and, and I'm sorry, and Freeman. I can't forget about uh, about Freeman as well. Um, you know, when you look at it, um, you know, especially when we're talking about the 40 times, you know, Barkley and Penny and Geis all sitting there in the, in the top five, Nick Chubb was right there as well. Freeman ran a four, five, four, Sony Michelle ran a four, five, four. Um, only guy that was out of that was, was Ronald Jones looked to be a lot more explosive than his 465. I think he redeemed himself, if I remember correctly, at his pro day there for USC. Uh, and then Carryon Johnson was someone who didn't run the 40 um at at the combine. But uh the the explosiveness when you're talking about it, you look at that the 454 was probably right about the the range that you were looking for there. Um you know if we're looking at you know if, Explosiveness, you know, vertical leap. Saquon Barkley, you know, over 40, 40 inches. Carry on Johnson at 40. Uh, Nick Chubb, 38 and a half. Ronald Jones did show some explosiveness there, 36 and a half inch vertical leap. Um, you know, so a lot of these names you're looking at, you know, three, let's see, three cone drill. Um, you know, didn't didn't see as much explosiveness out of out of those guys in the three cone drill and the 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 short shuttle. Um, you know, I think that kind of speaks to you know, really. You know, I'm kind of surprised. You know, that these guys weren't quite as fast, but uh, even still, they were running right around a four four two five. I think um, was right around um, right around where these guys were falling. So if we convert that, and we take a look at what guys did at the combine, and I know. You know, Greg, why are you sitting there talking about the combine so much and some of these numbers? But it's one of those things to where a lot of people, a lot of eyes were on the combine and what the numbers were. So I'm trying to take a look at some of these numbers and really kind of put it into some perspective. Okay. So if you look at it, you know, the four five four was about what I was saying with the forty time. Of the guys in my top ten, you know, obviously there's Justice Hill, Reichwell Armstead, uh, Miles Sanders, Daryl Daryl Henderson, Travion Williams. You know, and and then uh, and um, Dexter Williams was sitting there at a four five seven, but uh, you know Damian uh, David Montgomery four six six, Devin Singletary four six six. I'm sorry, David Montgomery was a four six three. Singletary a four six six. Um, so slower backs. You know, and Josh Jacobs I believe ran a four six at uh, at his pro day. Um, so not the most explosive. 
you know, but it's one of those things. I think this year's draft, you're going to see guys who are quicker than fast and really what, you know, how that plays. I think from a draft stock perspective, you're going to see some of these guys falling, you know, a little bit further because you don't have the home run hitters, the guys that are going to be um, as explosive. They're these, these guys who I think will be nice complementary pieces more than anything else. So we look at the vertical leap. Let's see what we have here. Um, you know, 40 inch vertical leap out of, out of justice Hill, um, James, James Williams, Damian Harris, uh, that 36 and a half and 37 inches respectively. Miles Sanders, man, another workout warrior, uh, 36 inches. Um, you know, Dexter Williams at 36. Um, so a few of those guys, you know, then less explosive, uh, the, the Daryl Henderson at 33 and a half, Travion Williams at 33. Um, so when we were talking about some of those backs, um, with, with last year's draft, um, you know, in the, in the verticals, the guys that, that showed some of that lower body explosiveness, um, you know, Saquon Barkley at a 41, um, you know, right around 36, 35, 36 was probably about what you wanted to be. Although Rashad Penny, you know, after running his four, four, six, 40, just a 32 and a half inch vertical leap. So, you know, go figure there. Not everyone is going to fit this mold, um, you know, exactly. Three cone drill. You know, again, Miles Sanders just ate it up. Um, you know, was was dominant there with a six eight nine. Um, that's faster than um, you know. If we look at last year, we had Chase Edmonds at a six seven nine, and Justin Jackson at a six eight one, and uh, then you have Miles Sanders there with his six eight nine. Uh, Alex Barnes at a six nine five. Right after that. Um, you know, Devin Singletary ran a 7.32, you know, a little bit slower there. Uh, Travion Williams with the 7.44, so that's a bit of a surprise. Um, so some slower times there in that three-cone drill. You know, if we look at, at some of the numbers, you know, if we use that uh, 7.44, um, you know, it, it's one of those numbers where, you know, really there's only one running back last year that ran a slower three cone drill time. And that was D, uh, Dimitri flowers. Who was a fullback short shuttle, you know, looking at some of the comparisons um, there, you know, we were looking at carry on Johnson ran a four two nine. I think that was the slowest out of the guys that ran that, that were in the uh, taking in the first three rounds. So if we look here, um, you know, Miles Sanders again, a 419. You know, Alex Barnes was the fastest out of four four one. So there's your workout warrior. Der- uh, Dexter Williams, 416. Um, Ryquel Armstead, you know, he ran that 429. Um, you know, Travion Williams ran a, a 444. Um, you know, and you know, that was the and let's see, and and Devin Singletary ran a 4-4. So to put that into perspective with with guys from last year. Um, you know, the guys that were running slower than that, that was a John Kelly out of Tennessee who ultimately went to the Rams. And of course, Dimitri Flowers, the fullback. So just to kind of get an idea with some of the numbers and how they compare, you know, and, and some of the, the explosiveness and, and you know, what some of these guys checked out with and, you know, it, Nobody's going to fit the mold across the board, um, but I think this just furthers you know the talk with this draft that we're going to be very heavy in these uh, two through five round range with the running backs. 
we, you know, you, I wanted to at least talk about the explosiveness and, and you saw that in last year's group, um, with, with more of the explosiveness, you don't see as much of that here. So I think we're going to probably be on the lower end of the guys taking in the first, uh, first three rounds of the draft. Um, and I think we're probably going to be on the lower end of the total running backs taken. Um, I think we'll probably hit about 20, 21 maybe, but I think we'll be on probably part of the lower end of that, that running back class. Um, so that's really kind of putting a, a bow on, on the running back class. The next podcast I'll be releasing here in just a couple of days, we'll be talking about the wide receiver position. And if we have time, we'll talk about tight ends as well. But the receivers, there's a lot to cover. There's a ton of receivers in this draft. I think there's a lot of depth, a lot of big bodied receivers, some guys that can play in the slot. Um, you know, some of the, the smaller speed demons as well, uh, on the outside, it's going to be a lot of fun to talk about the receiving class. Um, I, I think this could be a class that at the end of the day may not have guys at the top that'll remind you of the 2014 class, but I think in terms of the depth, um, it, it's going to be a lot of fun. So I'm going to enjoy, breaking down that receiver position and uh, we'll see what happens with that tight end. You know, I may or may not be able to fit it in with the receivers. Um, the tight end class though, one of the mo- deepest that we've seen in quite some time, you know, TJ Hawkinson has a chance to be, um, you know, the, the first tight end taken in the, in the top 10 since Eric Ebron, you know, we'll see if that happens. Um, so we'll see, you know, we'll, it's going to be fun, um, breaking down the receivers, the tight ends here in the next couple of days. Hope you enjoyed breaking down the running back position. Wanted to give you guys a different perspective, taking a look at, at the running backs and really try to put some context behind some of the numbers. Uh, obviously numbers we've seen, uh, workout warriors at the combine. Mike Mamula is the guy that comes to mind, you know, so that doesn't always translate to the next level, but we've seen what guys do out on the field with the 20, 2018 draft class and, and the guys that really performed and did well versus guys that didn't or guys that didn't get drafted. And you know, I, I think that's where you can draw that parallel a little bit. And that's what I was trying to do there when we were taking a look at the, at the, uh, the combine there at the end. Um, so we'll, we'll see if we can do that as well for the wide receiver position. Just kind of take a look, try to put some things into context, really where this receiving uh, draft class is. Really want to show why I feel this draft class is one of the deeper classes we've had in quite a while. So with that said, I think it's about time to call it an episode. So episode 27 in the books, episode 28, wide receivers coming here in just a couple of days. Until then, I am Greg Schutz. This is the Ready for the Draft podcast. Take care, everyone, and I am out of here.